Now, let's talk. It's Tech Tuesday. So, Carmi Levy, our tech expert, joins us. Good morning, Carmi Levy. Hello, John. Just working off my sugar rush from last night. I think it could take a while. Yeah, well, I had some leftover candy at the house, so uh, I chowed down on a bit of it. And you're right, I'm probably (laughs) coasting along on a sugar high as well. Let's talk about Facebook. I mean, everyone's talking about social media right now, and we'll get to Elon Musk in a moment. But apparently Facebook is not as uplifting an experience as some people would like to think. Yeah, there's a wide-ranging report from Psychology Today that was just published that shows that uh, it confirms what we've known for a very long time, that Facebook has a, if you use it regularly, it has a detrimental impact on your mental health. Uh, it's and, and this is by design. This is not the end user's fault. It's not yours and my fault for the way we use Facebook. It's the architecture of Facebook, according to Psychology Today, is what leads to this. Uh, and this goes right back to the very beginning they were studying college students uh, data from 2004 to 2006 and they showed that uh, the students on campus reported having depression and anxiety disorders the more that they used Facebook some of them felt extremely depressed they felt hopeless exhausted uh, and uh, what's worse here is the effect was more pronounced among students who reported being more susceptible to mental illness so this goes back almost two decades and psychology today is essentially sounding the warning signs saying Facebook, uh, start addressing this because the research is pretty unequivocal. And the reasoning for this, is it just because everybody compares themselves to the perfection that other people post on Facebook? There are, you know, we could probably spend all day talking about those, that rationale, but yes, it's almost like that sort of fear of not measuring up is that you're constantly being fed this barrage of information about those around you. And the way that Facebook is designed, it's, it's, it leads you to feel that you either do or do not measure up. And it's just this constant comparison game in your feed. And as we know, we never get to the end of that feed. We can scroll until the end of time, which makes a bad situation even worse the longer that we spend on the platform. Well, maybe it's just because I'm friends with particularly unglamorous people on Facebook, but <laughs> I think I'm doing okay. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think maybe we, I, I think I need to friends down, definitely lower the bar. <laughs> Let me ask you about your thoughts on Elon Musk. I don't think we can necessarily take a pulse on whether or not, uh, you know, Twitter is uh, decidedly different this morning than it was last Friday morning. But I will say there have been some telling signs over the last few days, including Elon Musk himself retweeting nonsense political stories. Yeah, you know, it's it, it's one thing to say that you're not going to tell advertisers, for example, as Elon Musk did, that you're not going to turn the platform into a hellscape, uh, you know, that, to try to kind of ease fears. But then, you know, your words, if your words aren't matched by your deeds, then it's a whole other story. And that's what we're seeing now. Elon Musk trying to make it seem a little bit more conciliatory that, it, you know, the f- Twitter of the future is going to be better under his rule. But then he goes and retweets, uh, you know, misinformation, disinformation, then goes, deletes it afterward. Uh, his actions uh, belie the fact that he is mercurial, that he's unpredictable, uh, that a lot of the things that he said he wanted to do on Twitter, which was essentially remove the shackles, uh, uh, are are in fact coming true. We're seeing a rise in, a significant rise in the uh, amount of misinformation and disinformation targeted campaigns to see just how much Twitter has changed to see what they can get away with. Uh, a lot of this activity, we believe, is automated. And quite frankly, that hellscape that Elon Musk says that he wants to avoid. I'm really not entirely convinced that that's going to be the case. I worry for the future of Twitter. Something perhaps not a lot of people know is that the United Kingdom, and in particular London, England, are the most surveilled uh, places 
on the planet. I mean, the number of cameras watching people in London is astounding. And apparently, we're finding out now that some of the images captured and facial recognition technology that's been used by the cops, uh, they didn't exactly uh, govern themselves properly. Yeah, the University of Cambridge did some uh, did some studies of specific scenarios that uh, police across the UK were using. Uh, for example, scanning crowds, comparing faces to a criminal watch list, or using apps on their smartphones to identify wanted criminals in real time. Uh, and they found that they weren't as transparent as they needed to be about where that data went. Was it being compared against demographic databases? Was it being used for racial profiling? There's evidence that that that's happening and and uh, but the police don't want anyone to know uh, so not enough transparency to the point that the University of Cambridge is say, is recommending that facial recognition technology what they call LFR live facial recognition the real-time stuff should be banned for use in all public spaces going forward which is given the UK's legacy of facial recognition of video cameras across society is a pretty big statement to make and I think it suggests it's almost like a siren not just for the UK but for the world that this is technology that's run amok we need better controls around it to ensure that your and my privacy is protected. Well, and Carmi, I shouldn't be surprised, but I always am. When I travel, I'm a member of uh, the Nexus program. So I will step up to a machine and it will say, you know, adjust your face to, and it'll, you know, capture an image. And then it'll say, good morning, John Sanford Moore. And I'm always like, how did you know that? <laughs> uh, they're, they're, because there's there are databases that sit in the background that are interconnected in ways that you and I don't even know. And that's the frightening thing is where is this information going? Who has access to it? Who are they sharing it with? And, you know, what purposes, in addition to simply getting through security, is it being applied to? We simply don't know. And the problem is, is the next time we travel, that could be used to stop us from doing something that in the past we might have been able to legitimately could be used uh, to profile us. You know, maybe they don't like our background. Maybe uh, if we cross a certain border, it'll be used in some certain nefarious way. And right now there are no laws in Canada. There are no global standards for this. Uh, and so, you know, it means what's happening in the UK really is a warning to us all. Uh, left uncontrolled, our privacy and our, our digital rights could be at serious risk going forward. Carmi, thanks a lot. Good to have you on a Tech Tuesday. Appreciate being here, John. Thanks. That's our tech expert, Carmi Levy. And yeah, facial recognition technology, another example of how government needs to catch up. Because think about this for a second. If you are doing facial recognition on the general population as a matter of routine, then what you are doing is like carding because there could be a match for some guy who's wanted for holding up a bank, except that this person has absolutely, like, police had no reason to suspect that this person actually held up the bank. So instead of going out, gathering information, getting the data, getting the evidence, uh, and then tracking down a possible suspect, they start with the suspect, and then they start building the case around that person, even though they could be innocent.